good. It's it's always good when it's cold in the wintertime for fuel. It's if it's you know real warm, it slows down. And when it's cold, everybody just leaves their cars run longer and stuff. And we always have plenty to do when it's cold. That was Dave Marty, a Forest, Illinois-based small food owner operator. Five power units leased to transport services of Sullivan, Illinois. Hauling fuel in the region around his home base, delivering in liquid bulk hazmat tanks to fuel stations see an uptick in volume this time of year. His is one of the not exactly that many messages that actually see a boost in business this time of year, though as you'll hear in today's edition of the Overdrive Radio Podcast, costs are higher for the business too in winter, so balancing the trade-offs is one of the many calculations the owner's learned to make over his many years in business. I'm Todd Dills, as usual your host for this edition of Overdrive Radio, and I'll say I met Marty many years ago now, in early 2008 on a cold day in Peoria, Illinois, during the regional Midwest Truckers Association's truck show. His first with his first truck as an owner-operator, the 2007 High Maintenance, uh, as he calls it, Peterbilt 379, and uh, which he still runs to this day. His move toward trucking followed 20 years off and on driving, and in maintenance, as you'll hear him describe shortly. And growth in the business has come with the dependable partner in transport services he made about five years ago. Uh, excuse me, about five years after he got his start as an owner-operator. That night, that 2007 Pete that was uh, initially leased to another outfit. He starts here, though, making reference to his current small fleet operation, leasing to Carrier Transport Services of Sullivan. And we pull, pull their trailers run under their authority. And we haul, haul a lot of gas every day um, for Casey's and then we do a lot of uh, miles for truck stops um, also that's our two main hauls the biodiesel yeah so that keeps us pretty busy um, that's our two main hauls we do occasionally we do a little bit of other stuff but mostly it's um, 90 95% is that's what we do yeah, is it uh, pretty pretty close into your region there Yes. Yeah, we're close yeah. to where terminals where we load. It's about five different terminals where we load. About 50 miles of us, so works out good to where we're kind of in the center of everything there. Where, where exactly do you live again? Remind me. Forest? Forest, Forest Illinois, about 100 miles out of Chicago, south of Chicago. And you, you've been based there throughout your entire trucking career, is that right? Did you grow up there? Grew up in a smaller town in Forest of Cabri, and my dad had livestock trucks we hauled livestock and uh i don't know i think it was about 77 he decided to sell out because steel went from 19 cents to 38 cents a gallon so they didn't want to mess with the fuel jumping and everything anymore and so he sold out and he he continued driving for another company but he decided just to sell out and and uh get rid of the headaches that he had I mean, that sounds funny to us now, right? But uh, it wasn't funny back then. So yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, things were a lot different back then, that's for sure. And it's a good lesson, you know, on educating me on on the trucking business and how things change. Nothing's, no matter what you haul in trucking, everything changes from year to year. It's not ever pretty much staying the same. So you got to kind of roll with it. You started out uh, when exactly? I started out on my own in 
pulling for a guy, uh, Tom Franny Trucking in Champaign, Illinois, hauling fuel. Yeah, I worked for him when, for about five years. When, when was that? When, when exactly? 07, when I bought my first truck. I started out okay. with a brand new truck in 07. But, but before that, you were... I was employed with, with him. I started... I worked in his shop when I was 16 okay. uh, um, for 20 years almost and worked in his shop locally in Forest in the shop working on them and driving also. So it had a, had a very uh, uh, robust maintenance background there. Yeah, I've always, I, I learned that when I was young and a lot of big companies when things get tight kind of go you know, away from it because they get rid of their trucks more often, but a good maintenance program will save you money in the long run. No doubt about that, and it's a mantra that Marty's held throughout his time trucking, one he employs now in a somewhat newly built home shop for the small fleet that you'll hear him talk about later. I asked him to take us through just how his one truck operation moved to more than that. As with similar stories from so many small fleet owner ops out there, the man showed the way. Well, I changed companies, and I was in the area where his business was growing, and so in order to take care of the customer, um, I needed to grow, which worked out good because I'm in an area where I've been fortunate enough to find good help. And uh, when you're in the hazmat business, that's most important as everybody can understand. So I was able to get the drivers and I was in the right area and I hauled for good people that uh, knew I'd take care of what I took on. And uh, it just kind of, went from there but I I held back a little bit I mean they wanted me to grow a little faster than I did but I've seen companies do that and have growing pains later because they didn't I felt like they didn't do it the right way meaning they put a guy in there just because they had all the freight and you can you can always find a, it takes a while but you can find good freight when you got good equipment and good help so the focus rather rather than being on uh, uh, just trying to grab grab as much of the freight as you could as quickly as you could it's uh it's more building something that's sustainable you can grow if you want to but i wanted my name out there to know that it takes a while take you gotta really be in for the long haul but i wanted my name out there to know that if we had your product on we we take care of it and get it where it needed to be on time switching companies happened around about uh 2012 i guess when you leased on with transport yeah. services and you just had the you still were just one single truck at that point um that's correct well the, the challenge is thought to putting on a second truck is it's hard to um back then it was a little bit easier than nowadays to find good equipment but it was to find a good good equipment i didn't want to stick my neck out on a branding truck and i found a a good used truck. Um, from my background, I knew knew what to look for, and that helped. But to find, like I said, good equipment that is going to be dependable, put a little bit of money into it, so you knew what you had. I was able to find a good driver. Like I said, it's a it's a big commitment. I've always felt like the key to my success was I put my equipment on in the in April or May when you're looking at working summer and fall because I've, ever since I've grown up I've pretty much felt like you make money in trucking 
spring, summer, and fall, you hope you break even in winter because it just costs so much. The costs are so much higher, and you don't get paid anymore for running in the wintertime and the summertime. So it gives you time to put money away and be ready for the winter rather than go through the winter and struggle. Maybe, you know, anytime you add equipment, it costs money and time that it's better to get ready for the winter than be doing it in the wintertime. Yeah, it's funny, like, you did mention, though, that uh, winter is kind of the busiest uh, or the you know, one of the more busy times for you guys, uh, but the, uh, I guess the costs uh, sort of tend to cancel things out. Well, it's a busier time, but you don't get as much done. You know what I mean? It's a busier yeah. time, and with, with the hours of service, you just, you're not going to get as many miles or as many loads in a day, depending on the elements that Mother Nature gives to yeah. you. So it, it's a busier hourly time to to you know get your work done and now yeah. at the hours of service you sometimes miss a load but that's just you know you hope it's there the next day because there's only so much you can do in terms of the drivers that are working for you are they all uh, employed uh, by your your company yeah they're all employed by yeah. my company and i look for some backgrounds when i go to a driver um just a lot of kids in my area have grown up on a farm which is a good background and that's what I mean by the background is that they've yeah. um, grown up on a farm with good work ethic because if you don't have that in trucking you're not gonna you're not gonna do a very good job because it takes a lot of a lot of effort every day to stay on top of things do you spend a lot of time uh, study the uh, motor vehicle record history of the drivers and um, you know do do some of these other background checks yeah, when my when I get a guy to come to work, um, it, he's pretty much my employee, but he has to meet the criteria of who I haul for. They have tests and insurance is insurance for everybody that they background check and they have to they have to have a a DOT um, test. You know, they go back and look at when they've done their their drug testing and stuff and make sure that they did it not just word of mouth that you've been driving somewhere two years and uh, they got to have a clean record and they got to be I've got one that's 21 that we work to get in but most of the time they got to be 23 the 21 year old can only haul bile but we got enough bile that that's okay and he's a good employee shows up every day and works hard but they uh, they work pretty hard against young kids and I'm fortunate enough I've got three of them that are under 30 so that helps. They got good work ethic, and they they're go getters. But that comes from um, their upper their upbringing is what it comes from. That's one thing that that you have as a uh, being leased to a bigger company. I imagine uh, a lot of this that kind of background uh, work. Uh, I imagine is not uh, something that you have to handle exactly directly. I get an application from them, and that gives them the right to check them all out, and then they let me know if they're okay to work or if they're not okay in their system. And then they're then they're pretty much mine to handle after that. Uh, they keep an eye on them, and if they have any problems, they let me know. But they, it all goes through me. The insurance as well is a, is a is a big issue that I know a lot of uh, you know really small fleets with their authority out there operating totally independently run into, uh, particularly if they haven't had their authority very long, uh, when they start to bring on or try to bring on drivers. Um, does uh, transport services just handle um, absorb the insurance costs themselves, or is that something that they uh, charge back in any way to you or share with you uh, as you are bringing on uh, drivers? Well, I 
I pay them a percentage, so they do absorb it. Um, that's why they're mine, but they have to meet their criteria with their insurance. And then they, they get 30% for trailer and for all the insurance sure. that they have to carry. That's how it works. The only insurance they don't inquire is I, because I'm paying the employees, so I pay the work comp, but otherwise they pay all the insurance costs. How many drivers do you have on now? Five full-time drivers and two part-time drivers. And then I'm, I just last year built a building, a new shop. I went to part-time. I was driving full-time. So I have three part-timers and five full-timers. Uh, One of those part-timers happens to be you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because in hauling gas, it's a seven-day-a-week job. So you got to have part-timers with the hours so you can cover you know, stations, use a lot of fuel on the weekends. How, how much of the kind of day-to-day -day sort of dispatch uh, kinds of scheduling kind of responsibilities fall on you? Is it a pretty much 100% or does it, uh, or do you get support on that front from uh, transport services as well? Yeah, I get support. They'll call me and say, hey, can you handle, you know, like they know how many trucks and trailers I got, but if it's still busy, they ask me, you know, because sometimes through the week, I'll either run a night load or my part-timers, and so they they get the loads for me. They have the contacts, and okay. they'll send send them up, and then I give them to who has hours, more hours or less hours, or, or who I I disperse them to, and so I know every day where they're at and what they're doing. If they have a question about a load, they'll call me and ask me who's on it and what they need to do. So that they get the loads for me, but I do all the dispatching of my guys. Given the variability I imagine that exists when you're working with uh, you're delivering direct fueling stations and stuff, I imagine there is there probably is a little there may be a little bit of predictability in that, but I imagine it varies quite a lot week to week. Yeah, it does just because the people we all for have gotten so big that stations generally it's surprising. Generally, stations like if you or I go out and get gas, a lot of times we get gas at the same station, like on our way to work or whatever. So they're yeah. kind of consistent, but um, but I don't get the same station, so my my stuff changes every day. We like that. We don't, you know, like line haulers do the same exact thing pretty much every day. We like the change, seeing different people in different ways, but it just depends. Um, you know you're on an 11-hour driving clock and 14-hour day, so the hours of service are pretty much guaranteed when you leave. You know how long you're going to be out. You might be home in 10 hours, but you know in 14 hours, you're going to be home. How did you come to a decision on, um, and how do you, uh, to, in terms of paying your paying your drivers? Uh, did you, um, has it changed over time at all? Um, walk me through, um, you know, who you're thinking there. Yeah, that came from being an employee myself. Um, pretty much, I pay them a percentage. Um, then the guy that worked hard makes a little bit more money, you know, and he's more efficient. But so I pay him a percentage like I got paid, but we do a uh, little incentives through the year because I always felt like the way I did my job, another guy that did his job, maybe not the same, kind of got paid the same as me. Maybe didn't, you know, get the extra load, but he got paid mm -hmm. the same. And we give incentives. All my guys work together very well. And so we don't single out a person, but there's a lot of incentives where they they feel like they're part of the business and everybody knows what 
that 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 the dollar does talk these days, but they know they're appreciated, and I think that makes them where they really work hard for the business because it's their business too. Yeah, we have a big Christmas party. We have a summer party. There's uh um there's Christmas bonuses and and uh, there's uh, there's some other things that we do like we may we make um, cook for them now and then when it's been like bad weather and stuff to let them know that you know we know they're out there working hard. It's not just another day. It's it's a tough day and and uh, well, there's a there's a couple of uh, um, pancakes and sausage breakfasts in the morning that we go to. And I take them out for that. It's not it's not big incentives because big incentives, both personally, you know, it's just little things that kind of make it make it a family oriented thing. Very fortunate for a tight knit group. My wife is included in that, and their girlfriends and wives are, and uh, it makes them feel like they're at home. Marty's wife's name is Linda. Clearly, uh, clearly closely involved with the business, as he tells it, in ways other than those just described. She does the books, and uh, we have a little underlying joke that they call her the safety director because she'll text them in the mornings and tell them to be safe and stuff when it's bad days like this and everything. And they keep her on her toes, and she keeps them on their toes, basically. But that that fulfills the family family oriented thing, you know. It's everybody that's involved there is involved with each other. It's not we don't single one person out. We do it together and work together and and cover each other's butt if you need help. Are guys out there spending spending uh, down periods on the road, or is everybody getting home pretty much every day? Yeah, we'll have a truck gone on the summertime once once in a while. Like the most nights that that guy's been out is two nights, and I've got one guy that doesn't mind that, or I probably wouldn't do it. But we had a haul there for a while that needed to be taken care of, and it required you to be gone. But otherwise, uh, my guys will be gone. They understand the trucking world, but they're pretty much home every night. So it's not something we promote, but we have to do it once in a while. And one guy does it a little bit more than the others, but they'll all take their turns if we have something going on. For some, you know, in the fuel business, a terminal uh, has a pipeline break or something, and you got to cover it. So it's not always all you know, year long, but maybe for a week, you know, they're running out of fuel, and you got to take care of this customer. So we do it in shifts yep. and stay out at night or something, but we don't live on the road. Gives them a home life. I mean, uh, uh, you know, a lot more home life than being on the road. And they have, to be honest, Todd, you you work harder to be home every night, but they don't mind that, you know, when you're out. All right, so the trucks, uh, guys come in, do they, uh, do they, do they use uh, your your home uh, shop there as a as kind of a terminal? Uh, how, how does it uh, how does it work? Yeah. They, uh, park? Yeah. Yeah, they do. They come home and uh, they have the ability to get the trucks washed on the road if they need to and stuff, but they pretty much will wash their trucks two or three times a week. We get a wash bay and they'd rather do that than sit on the road and wait for it. Um, and that is not required, but it's their office and they want it to look good don't going down the road. And Dave Marty's definitely got some sharp looking rolling offices among his power units, two of which I've profiled in the last couple of years. Both custom gliders built in Pete uh, 389 bodies. You can find those units by searching his name, Dave Marty. That's M-A-R-T-I at OverdriveOnline.com. Keeping the rig serviced and shined up, as he mentioned. 
has been made easier in recent times with the building of the new shop, which he describes as follows. Yeah, it's uh, 92 by 85 feet deep. Got a wash bay and a service bay in it with a pit. Uh, we can get six trucks and six trailers hooked up in there overnight. So everything, they, they may, you know, like our days will change, like I said. So I may go out at night, eight or, eight or nine o'clock at night, but I always get them hooked up. And that's why it's nice to have the base right there where it's hooked up and they don't have to mess with it. With the hours of service, if you come in and, you know, you log in and you got a flat tire or something, you're losing hours in the day. So they're ready to go and they uh, get in them, check the oil, and they're ready to go for their day. And, and it's part yeah. of being on time and being efficient. How long have you had that shop? Since August. I rented a shop, a smaller shop, um, just across the road from me, actually, for... Quite a few years, but uh, I moved into this shop in August. We built it last year. One of the things when you grow, it takes you a while to be able to fund it, but it uh, saves you a lot. Obviously, the time of year when you can have things at your own shop and be inside on the cold nights when you don't have to go out and beat brake drums loose and stuff when you hook up the trailers. Marty's drivers are pulling in well above average when it comes to income. Another reason he believes he's been able to sustain the success he's had building on his formerly one-truck business. And Marty pays himself a modest salary, while that salary is itself a definite cut in overall income from what he was making all told as a one-truck operation. It doesn't represent the entirety of the business's earnings, of course. The ability to invest in the new facility and pay drivers clearly well above average is clear evidence he's doing something right. Watch for more from our conversation upcoming in the March issue of the magazine. I want to shift gears a little bit now so as to give you a window into the business and history of an owner operator at the opposite end of the spectrum from Marty in terms of the stage at which they find themselves in life and in business. This owner, Robert Budson, lives 100 miles north of Marty in the Chicago area and has flirted with running more than one uh, more than more than just his own power unit, as you'll hear him tell here. The young owner-operator, approaching the middle of his third decade in existence on the planet, yeah, he's just shy of 25, has a Kenworth T2000 who's equal uh, when it comes to that model. I don't think I've ever seen anywhere out there on the road. I met him at the, uh, that's a big 10-4 on DC event in the nation's capital back in October, where he showed the power unit and walked me through some of his recent history including the tragic passing of both the young man's parents in recent memory. He starts here, though, talking about himself and the truck. Uh, so my name is Robert Budzik. The name of my company is Stylix Freight Network. Uh, I haul uh, basically just meat and produce in and out of Iowa, okay. anywhere in okay. the States. Cool. I actually live in Chicago, North Chicago. Okay. North Chicago well, both my parents drove for uh, over 20 years. Um, I started riding along with my parents when I was three years old, um, and that was back in, I think, 96, 7, or something like that, um, and what, I just fell in love with it, just riding along, I don't know, the sound of the engine, you know, back then there was, you know, just pure engines, there wasn't no EGR systems, you know, you could hear the sound of jakes and everything, and growing up in that, you'd fall in love with it, and throughout my whole life, actually, my parents were like, no, no. Like, you know, you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to be something. You know, when I was a little kid, I was like, no, I'm going to be a trucker, I'm going to be a trucker. And, uh, but obviously they supported me always from, right. you know, they supported the pad they loved to drive to. Um, 
And so the second I turned uh, 18, you know, I went and got my first truck and rode that one for about a year. It was a Freightliner, Columbia, a little 14-liter Detroit. It was a pretty good truck, and I found this truck, which is a funny story. Uh, it's a yeah. 2003 Kenworth T2000. T2 ugly. <laughs> uh, it's got a C15 6NZ 550 horsepower uh, cat engine, 13 speed uh, transmission, 355 rears. The engine is what got me to get this truck. I mean, this truck was basically a year, even a year ago, it looked kind of crappy, but three years ago when I bought it, it was, I mean, discolored in every okay. way. I mean, you know the fairings were over here it was in a bad shape but I, the reason i bought it was because of that engine and then i had a driver and i put a driver on the other truck and uh he just he just i had problems with him and i just decided i don't want to have right. problems i just want to be you know solo and no, no problems so right there's a lot going on kind of in between because yeah, it was well, involved kind of with my mom and stuff and did your parents did your parents pass away in that time <laughs> yeah period? both of them yep okay Oh. My mom just saw last last May. Okay. And uh, my dad about four years ago or okay. five years ago now. Man. So it was kind of all tangled up and it's kind of also my getaway, you know. Well, technically this truck was, I was bored at, in, at home and I had that freight shaker and my mom sold her other truck that, you know, that I grew up in um, a couple years before. And then when I turned 18, you know, I had that other truck and then, you know, kind of mm -hmm. got back into the owner-operator thing, mm -hmm. you know, with her. And she was driving for a company. I was like, Mom, no, you got to get a truck again, you know. And I was bored on Craigslist. And I was like, yeah, I never drove this kind of a truck. I want to go drive it. And I did drive it. And I was like, man, this is freaking awesome, you know. Sure. And so I literally got her to buy this truck because she don't want it. I mean, it looked like crap, but she did. Basically because I knew I needed to have it. And so I got her to have it, and she drove her about eight months, and then her cancer got real bad. So that's kind of when I uh, hopped on this one and got rid of that other one and stuff. So that's kind of the story. And, you know, doing the best I can with it. I know she'd be, she wouldn't believe what I'd done with it. Well, I got the hood. I got a new hood. Well, it was a used hood that got painted. Okay. Uh, and I added some kind of custom different style lights in the front to kind of help with the with the how ugly it was really with the t2 ugliness i added this bumper and the, the bull guard just it just kind of brings the whole truck out makes it look a lot meaner before it was just kind of plain i took the top off uh, i changed out the rims in the front to make it kind of like a more slick kind of a look mm -hmm. uh, crazy i added these stacks uh that little airline box for now, that's it. I mean, until next summer, then I'm just gonna slam the front axle on on bags, and I'm gonna get this uh -huh. thing stretched out with this, get it to maybe like two, 280 wheelbase. I'm never gonna get rid of this truck. I'm gonna get another truck, like a W900 or something. Eventually. I might go do something crazy or something also that no one has. Um, kind of like this, no one has this. No one sure. you know, makes a T2000 nice. No one. I don't appreciate them, man. I mean, I think, I mean, I know they had a lot of problems out there um, yeah. when they came out the factory. Big electrical problems with these trucks. Not kind of wood. Please give me some wood somewhere so I can. Nothing has <laughs> never let me down, really. You can catch plenty of views of the rig by searching Robert Butzik. That's uh, 
last name B-U-D-Z-I-K at OverdriveOnline.com. And for now, that's all for this week. Stay safe out there.